We've all been hurt. We all carry scars. We can all overcome these things and be healed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's build that relationship together right here. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sanctuary. It is so good to have you with us as always. And for those of you who are joining us for the very first time, let me just say welcome. Now, of course, next Thursday is going to be Thanksgiving here in the U.S. We are on the road to it. I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to having some turkey that I don't have to cook. All right, the family's doing it. Very, very blessed with that this year. I'm very grateful. Um, I actually get out of cooking. Not to, not to say I don't have to take something to the to the table. Uh, you know, I'll probably take a dessert or something. But um, from from uh, my understanding, uh, talking to uh, my my brother and all, is everything has already been taken care of. So, um, you know, I hope uh, I hope all of you are just as blessed as we are. Um, you know, in this respect. Now, uh, with that said, you know, a little bit of a rabbit trail there to start, of course, you know, um, I know a lot of pastors out there this time of year, they have their, their annual go-tos, you know, their sermons about gratitude and friendsgiving and thanks and giving. I know a lot of originality there, right? Um, especially that last one. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not knocking them. I am not. There are a lot of great messages out there and plenty of people who are hearing those messages for the first time. However, it's because of that, you know, I did, I did uh, some prayer as I always do, but because, you know, because of that, I'm, I've been led in a different direction this year. Imagine that, right? So I'm, I'm going to, you know, I have a th- bit of a Thanksgiving message, but we're going to do something a little different here. All right. Um, so bear with me. We're going to start off here, much like our message this week is different. The way we're going to start this week is different as well. All right. So I'm sure everyone, for the most part, is familiar with the old nursery rhyme, Mary's Lamb. You know, that's that one that goes, you know, Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb, you know, and so on and so forth. You know, its fleece was white as snow, all that. You know, um, this, of course... It's just a modernized version that slightly deviates a bit from the original poem. Cute, right? So with that said, turn with me to the book of John. We're going to go to John chapter 10, verse 11. All right. So John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, much like the little girl in the poem, shepherds don't just watch their flock. They love them. They, you know, it's it's not just a, a job for them, you know, some nine to five thing or a chore, you know, uh, but something that they, they, they truly want and, and look forward to doing, you know, tending to their flock. This is, this is something absolutely awesome, right? And, and not only that, but they'll protect their flocks from the various dangers that are out there, knowing it may well be at the cost of their own life. You know, there's a lot of dangers out there. You know, it's not just guiding the sheep, you know, to and fro, making sure they get to their pens and all that kind of stuff, maybe shear them once in a while. 
you know, but a lot of things out there, you know, the occasional lamb wanders off. There's a lot of, uh, you know, predators out there. Uh, if you live in an area like mine, you know, we got coyotes, we have wolves. Um, you know, if you get too far away, heck, even here here in the city, certain times of the year, you know, uh, bear and cougars and stuff wander in. You know, and we do have farmland just right there with sheep and goats and stuff. So, you know, the the shepherds, they, they do a lot. They're, they're very involved in the life of their sheep. And Jesus, who is the good shepherd, he loves us. And his love for us is so great that he laid down his life for us. We are his flock. Now, that being said, and being the history-loving guy that I am, we're going to take a little bit of a trip down history lane here. Most of us grew up in school hearing about the first quote-unquote Thanksgiving, right? It, you know, it's that Thanksgiving that we were all told was had uh, between the Mayflower pilgrims who had just recently landed and the Wampanoags uh, and, you know, that they'd befriended. And they came together and they had this magnificent feast over, you know, a couple days um, to celebrate the food harvest and their new friendship. Now, was there a feast? Yes. The fact is, there's very little truly recorded about this event. And there was no date given. Based on the English fall harvest celebrations that the pilgrims knew in their own you know in their their old country, they brought those with them. So it could be assumed that based on the, those old celebrations that this feast would have happened in the fall time. And while there were various festivals and celebrations after that um it it wasn't quote-unquote thanksgiving you know many were those those legalistic traditions that you know that they just had to hold on to they and they they brought them over from uh you know the the old countries you know various settlers did um you know as more and more from different areas came you know so it's safe to say we were a little misled to believe that the thanks that you know that Thanksgiving was a, a holiday that started all the way back then and, and has been celebrated ever since. Now, while there's some roots, it was not what we see moving into more modern times. Matter of fact, let's move up just a couple hundred years to the actual proclamation of Thanksgiving. What? A proclamation? What is this? Yeah, there was a proclamation made here in the U.S. that declared Thanksgiving a holiday. We're going to talk. We're going to look at that here before we go go into the rest of our message here. Okay. So, the actual proclamation it came about during the Civil War. There was a woman. Her name was Sarah Josepha Hale, and she petitioned President Lincoln uh, quite rigorously, and you know, and her argument was that to have a holiday like this could possibly heal many of the wounds from the war. Now, of course, she wasn't necessarily talking about the physical; she was talking about those mental, emotional, and spiritual wounds. You know, and, and and with this argument and you know her constant petitioning, she struck a chord. 
you know, hey, you know what? This this lady, she has a point. Something, something's going on here. And, and because of this, this led up to President Lincoln making a, a proclamation in October of 1863 that Thanksgiving would be had the following month and would become a an annual celebration moving forward. Now, I'm going to read to you just a part of this proclamation. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but we're going to go through part of it. And this really is the meat and potatoes of it, okay? No human counsel hath devised nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged, as with one heart and one voice, by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are in sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justfully due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged. Fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. Quite a bit there, isn't it? Beautiful. Now, Coursera Joseph uh, jo- uh, Josephina Hale, excuse me, Sarah Josephina Hale. You could say she was a woman of some influence, not only then but today. You see, she was an activist, she was a poet, and she was an author. And you're probably, most likely, familiar with at least a little bit of her work. Because not only has she been referred to as the mother of Thanksgiving, she's also the author of Mary's Lamb. Now, right about here is where Paul Harvey would be wrapping things up and be saying, and now you know the rest of the story, right? Well, we're not done yet. All right. So while President Lincoln, you know, he didn't write the proclamation. However, he, like the person who wrote it for him, did recognize 
where God stood in the lives of everyone in our nation. They were at war. The country was literally and figuratively being ripped apart all the way down through the family level. Healing was exactly what was needed. So Miss Hale, she was 100% correct that healing was needed. And God was exactly who they needed for it. Just like he is who we need for our own. There's a contrast in the times though. Let's take a look at that real quick. See, here, President Lincoln was calling out to the nation to look to the Father. Fast forward to today, and our nation's leadership has really done everything they can to try to remove him from so many places. You know, we, we need to make sure that we're praying for our nation's leader. That's biblical. We also need to be praying for our nation. Really, we need to be praying for the entire world. Thanksgiving. You know, this this is a time to come together and to give thanks. Yeah, it absolutely is. But to whom? See, that's the part that's left out these days. Like so many other holidays, which is really, you know, holy days, you know, it's it's become very commercialized. The overall meaning is gone. You know, and I bring this up because at a time when we should be recognizing what God has done in our lives and praising him for it, we're seeing something entirely different. Turn on the TV, turn on the radio, pick up a newspaper or a magazine. Heck, what comes the day after Thanksgiving? Black Friday, which is so aptly named, isn't it? We're going to see people standing out in the cold starting on Thanksgiving just to be able to start shopping as soon as the doors open the next day. You know, and, and, and it turns into a into a mosh pit. You know, people lose their minds. They're, you know, they're not civil. Uh, tempers flare. And, and, and here's the thing is it carries over to the next day. Small business Saturday is what it's referred to now. And it goes really all the way through. Not you know, people kind of take Sunday to stay home and rest. And then what happens Monday? Cyber Monday, right? They're right back to shopping. You know, that night, the next day, you know sporting events are going to be sold out through the weekend. But the most important place any one of us can be. The single most important place coming together as the church in worship. Those places of worship, those houses of worship, they're going to have some of their lowest attendance of the entire year. Many will be virtually empty. Virtually empty. You know, if if that's if that sounds, you know, Distasteful? Think about it. It is. 
the weekend that's set aside for us to praise God and thank Him for all the blessings in our life. We don't even put Him in the back seat. We kick Him out the door entirely and drive on down the road. That's something that we all need to think about. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. So Proverbs 3, verse 6, the Bible says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. You know, worshiping sporting idols, sports idols, I should say, you know, athletes or, you know, movie stars and so on, and all the shopping um, that, that goes on, and you know, that, uh, you know, the fights and the tempers that flare make, uh, you know, hockey look very mild. Um, you know, uh, it's a far cry from from it, isn't it? I mean, how, how are we acknowledging him? Now, I'm not saying, you know, going out shopping and, you know, enjoying sporting events, and, you know, and that kind of stuff is bad in and of themselves, because in and of themselves, they're not. It's when these things get placed before God that they become an issue, when they become idols. And that's exactly what they become for so many people, so many self-professing Christians. They have all the time and energy for all these things of the world. But then when it comes time for God, when it comes together as a church, they're drained. They don't have the energy, you know, or they, you know, they, they, they can't or won't make the time to spend in worship. I said the the meaning behind the holiday is gone. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eighteen. The Bible says, In giving thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let me read that again. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. But those who say they're his children can't be bothered to make the time. He's not asking for a lot. He's just asking for a little. Well, it takes a moment to say thanks and a a few moments to come together with others and, and worship and praise. And you think of all the stuff that's going on, not just in our country, but around the world. Healing is needed. But we push the healer out. You see, as a country, we've become very ungrateful. We sin regularly. We forget to acknowledge God. And in general, we've become very selfish. You know, in, in pro wrestling, uh, you know, there's a there's a character that's been around for decades called Chris Jericho. And during you know one of his runs, his character kept a list. You know, here he is. You know, he was a heel. He was the bad guy. It was very comedic. It was very funny. You know, um, and this list it was it was a you know a list of uh, the names of people who had wronged him in some way or had done something that he didn't like. It didn't matter how minor it was. If if it was something that he didn't approve of, guess what? You made that list. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We all know someone who's keeping notes, keeping tabs 
on all the ways they've been wronged by all the people who have wronged them. You might be keeping list. Not even realize it. Because it's called a grudge. You know, you might be holding that grudge. I said, a lot of people have grudges and they don't even realize it. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, the Bible says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. So while these lists were made to be like a a naughty list, when you think about it in this context, they're actually a tribute of sorts because it's these things that people, you know, these things that develop your character, these events that taught you right from wrong, these people who helped you to find the meaning in your own life because that's how, that's what God used. They were the tools that God used to help you to find it. You know, they're, they're the, you know, the, the various things that, you know, they, they were hardships at the time, but these were tools being used by God to mold you and to guide you on your path to him. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the Bible says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know? Let that sink in for a moment. All those things that are, those hardships, and we've talked about this before. Where entire nations have been wiped away, you know, those bad things, but they were used for good by the Lord. And our lives individually are no different. We see a lot of ugly, hurtful things, but you know what? They're there for a reason. To lead us to God. And on that, you know, on that token here, we're talking about Thanksgiving, right? This is a holiday that, um, you know, a lot of food is eaten. Right? This is this is a foodie day. Not just a holiday, but a foodie day. And because it's a foodie day, it goes all in on that food. Let's take a look at that too. Turn with me to uh, Numbers. Chapter 11. Alright, so in uh, Numbers chapter 11, the, the first nine verses. So Numbers 11 verses 1 through 9. The Bible says, now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was called Teberah. Because fire from the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had some meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, onions, and garlic. But now 
We have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. The manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it into loaves. And it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. So the people had been taken care of. God was providing for them. Every night they'd be able to lay down, go to bed and wake up and they'd have a fresh supply of manna. They didn't have to worry about starving. And I tend to look at that at this picture that, that, that's painted for us here, kind of like that scene in Forrest Gump when they're talking about all the ways to prepare the, what was it, tuna? You know, you have manna sausage, manna burgers, manna pie, manna cake, manna salad. And smoothies, man, a pizza, you know, and so on and so forth, you know. So, point is, they had plenty to eat, plenty. God had blessed them, and when they first entered the wilderness to go to the promised land, they were grateful for it, grateful, you know, but. Like a lot, a lot, you know, just like t- today with us, you know, after a while, they stopped seeing it that way. They got tired of it. So they began to complain. They began to grumble, you know, just like most of our culture today. You know, why? Why wasn't it good enough? Well, it's because they weren't seeing God in it. They weren't seeing it as a blessing anymore, or a gift. Instead of praying to the Father, they complained. They grumbled. They moaned. They developed a, you know, it's right there, the rabble, right? Some of them developed this strong desire for other things that they didn't have. You know, and they're talking about the meat there. You know, they took this blessing, this gift from God... And they started taking it for granted. The very thing that was sustaining them and carrying them through until they could reach the promised land suddenly wasn't good enough. And you think about it. They didn't have to hunt. They didn't have to tend to crops. They didn't have to trade for it. They didn't have to do anything. It was provided for them. They just had to pick it up and cook it. And it goes to show that some people don't appreciate the things that they're given. You know? We see that a lot, don't we? People don't appreciate things unless they have to earn it for themselves. You know, when you have to earn something, it, it means something a lot different, doesn't it? You know, suddenly instead of just being a, this thing that was handed to you, it means a lot. You're going to take better care of it. You're going to appreciate it a lot more, right? Right? God took notice, though. He absolutely did. It didn't go unnoticed 
at all. Numbers 11, verses 18 through 20, the Bible says, Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day, or two days, or five, or ten, or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? You see, what happened here is that the people weren't looking to God, much like our politicians today. But, you know, much much like our people in our country. They were just looking to their leaders and expecting them to handle anything and everything, just like we do. Meanwhile, they sat back and complained about everything. They didn't contribute anything to help, you know, resolve their situation or anything. They didn't have, you know, volunteer ideas. Well, how about if we did this? How about if we did that? They just sat there and complained like, hey, Moses, what are you going to do? Right? Much like us, you know, we put people in seats that are supposed to be doing our will. They could care less and we don't hold them to it. Like, but we expect him to, to answer us when we say, hey, what are you going to do, right? You know, what they should have been doing is the same thing that we should be doing as a nation, praying. You see, even though this was a temporary measure to get them through until they reached the promised land, it wasn't satisfactory to people. They wanted more. That sound familiar yet? Because we're living out the same thing. And I'll tell you what, the military, you know, you're out in the field and everything, you know, we all have our MREs. They, they don't do great things to the body, I'll tell you that much. You know, it, our, our MREs, great, you know, sometimes they're wonderful, other times they were the most hideous thing you ever tasted. But there comes a point, you know, where you're just grateful to have that to eat. And you know it's not forever, it's just while you're there, you're going to get back and you're going you're gonna to get to have a nice good meal eventually. But you learn to appreciate things. Turn with me to Numbers. We're still in uh, Numbers 11. We're going to go back to verses 33 and 34 now. The Bible says, But while the meat was still between their teeth and before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people, and he struck them with a severe plague. Therefore, the place was named Kibroth Hatzavah, because there they buried the people who had craved other food. People had a hole in themselves. They had this, this space that needed filling, this void. And again, the problem was they didn't pray about it. They didn't go to the Father. That's where they went wrong. That's where we go wrong. See, 
They didn't pray about it, and they ended up falling into sin, craving more stuff, trying to compare the times that they were in to the good old days. They became greedy. Instead of taking their needs to God, they obsessed over what they didn't have. Instead of being happy with the very things that they did have, the the good that was in their lives. You know, they, 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 they had gotten free from Pharaoh. They were no longer, you know, slaves. They were on their way to the promised land. They didn't have to worry about food that, you know, the Lord was with them and was providing for them. But instead they got bitter. They made a list of what they didn't have. They made a list of what was wrong. All their grievances, not their blessings. Instead of focusing on the Father and His will for them, where He had them headed, they were focused on the world around them and themselves. They were selfish. You know, we see the same thing. You know, people wallowing away in a bottle of booze or trying to fill that void, you know, in themselves with relationships. We see it men and women. You know, and then they get angry and depressed when things don't work out. But they never included the the father was not put first. You know, they go out and they find, you know, finding these adrenaline rushes. You know, you get those adrenaline junkies out there looking for that next high. You know, so much more. You know, drugs. And some will say, oh, I went to God, but he didn't answer. But they never stop to think about their own actions. It's, you know, it's always someone or something else. You know, sometimes we have to go to God more than once about things as well. Sometimes... We get those answers, but we don't listen. Like when we go headstrong into jobs or relationships that we know we're not a good fit to begin with. And yet we expect God to make it work out anyways. It doesn't work like that, people. Anything and everything in our lives, God needs to be first and foremost as, as a country, we need to remember this. We need to start putting him back into places that he's been removed from. Government, jobs, school, so on and so forth. Our families. Because our families depend on it. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. The Bible says, Do not worry about anything but pray and ask God for everything you need, always giving thanks. Meaning we need to go to God with everything in our lives, the good and the bad. When something is wrong, we need to go to God right away. When something is good, we need to go to God right away in praise. You know, in this season of Thanksgiving, we all need to take a step back. We all need to recenter and we need to focus on what the holiday should be. We need to put the meaning back into thanksgiving and show it to others so that they can see the light of Jesus Christ in our lives. This is a great time to take notice of all the things that you do have and to give thanks, all the blessings. Take count of all the things that you've been able to overcome 
because of God's grace and give thanks. To be grateful for the things that you have and not focused on the things that you don't. Look back to, to, to Sarah Hale. Sarah Joseph Hale. And take to heart what Thanksgiving should be about. Healing. Healing. And there is no better place and no better person to go to than the great physician himself. Remember, you are loved. Now go and be the light. Go and be the church. Thank you all for joining us here today at Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Please like, subscribe, and share our podcast on any platform it is that you tune into us on. If you do have any questions, any prayer requests, or would like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on our website at BeTheLightSanctuary.org or on Facebook at BeTheLightSanctuary. Uh, you can also find how to contact us there, whether it's direct message or email. We look forward to hearing from you all. God bless.